0: Well, our text is Mark chapter 2. If you will go there, please. We'll put it on the screen. But uh, if you have brought your Bible, I think you'll want to turn to it. Because there is something I want you to either underline or highlight there in Mark chapter 2. It's the first story in this uh, wonderful chapter. These are, uh, This is early in Jesus' ministry. And uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed men, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Every pastor I know praised that last verse there. Lord, let something happen in church today so that when people are leaving, they'll say, we've never seen anything happen like this in church. I pray that. I'm always glad to see that church has plenty of room in the altar, plenty of place to come down during the invitation time and kneel and pray. And as you know, at the end of the sermon, we'll have our ministers across the front, and this will be a time for you to respond to whatever God has laid on your heart. I bought a book one time entitled, Sense and Nonsense About Prayer. Well, I guess in some way we could call this message Sense and Nonsense About Faith. There's a lot of nonsense around about faith, some of it you have heard. Uh, you, You hear people say, well, faith is believing what you know is not true. Or faith is believing something for which there's no evidence. I've heard people say, Well, I'm not a religious person. I just can't live by faith. I'm more of a scientific person. I've got to have evidence. All of those are nonsensical. In the first place, nobody believes, nobody that I know, no Christian certainly believes something that he knows not to be true. Nor do we believe something for which there's no evidence. In fact, the very essence of faith is to believe based on evidence the christian faith <laughs> faith is a matter of having a lot of evidence but still lacking a little more having a lot of answers but still having some questions having a lot of pieces of the puzzle but we're still missing a few pieces This means that based on the evidence we have, the answers we have, the pieces of the puzzle we have, we do some extrapolating, we go ahead and flesh the rest of it out. This is what we think is true here. And this is what scientists do all the time. And if the further evidence comes in and shows that you're wrong, you make adjustments. The business of saying, I can't live by faith... That's funny. Everybody you know lives by faith. The hard, hardest atheist, the fiercest agnostic, or the most solid Christian, we all live by faith. Andrew and Allie flew in from Dallas, Texas this morning. You did, they did that by faith. I guarantee I haven't even asked you, I guarantee you they did not interview the pilot. They did not talk to the mechanics. They didn't go up in the tower and check with the air controllers to make sure that everything was just fine. They paid their money, bought their ticket, handed the boarding pass to the agent, and got on and strapped themselves in the same way all the rest of us do it. And they came to New Orleans by faith. Now, in a little bit, some of you are going to get on the interstate. Now, you talk about faith. You're going to be out there going at a relatively high rate of speed surrounded by cars and trucks that are also going at high rates of speed, and you don't even know those drivers, and they're close to you, and any one of them could fall asleep at the wheel or be texting or putting on makeup or spill the coffee and jerk the steering wheel and cause havoc on the interstate, lots of accidents and perhaps even deaths. And do you think about that when you're out there? Maybe a fleeting thought, but you just, you, you are putting your life and the lives of the people in your car, you're putting them at risk, trusting people whom you don't even know. And when you get off the interstate, some of you are going to be going to a restaurant. There's another act of faith. Do you go back in the kitchen and interview the cooks? Do you check to make sure where all this food was grown and where it was packaged and You don't. We just do it by faith. Some of us have had this experience of going to the doctor whose name we couldn't pronounce. He diagnoses a condition which we've never heard of. Writes a prescription we can't read. We go to a druggist whom we may never see. And an hour later come back and pick up a bottle of pills which you don't recognize. And what do we do? Open, wide, and swallow. Everybody you know lives by faith. So don't come in here and say, well, faith is just for you Christian people. No, sir. Everybody lives by faith. My friends, the question is, what are you living by? Where is your faith placed? What is the evidence you're going by? Now, to be a Christian means there is evidence for and there is some evidence against. Now, what you and I, most of us in this room, have decided is that the evidence is far greater for the existence of God, for the rest of Scripture, for the solidness of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, living, dying, rising again, and therefore His Word being true. Therefore, we're going with that. It may be that somebody listening to me right now. You have read the literature on the other side, you've read the Thomas Paines, the Hitchings, then the Dawkins, and so you're pretty solid against Christians and against Christianity and against Jesus Christ. May I suggest that you do the fair thing and read the other side of the story? Have you read uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity? Have you read any of the books by Lee Strobel? Lee Strobel was the legal Editor for the Chicago Tribune and an atheist. And now he is writing books defending the Christian faith. This is one I recommend The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. They're available in any Christian bookstore, online, everywhere. I want you to look at verse 5. Now, you still got your Bibles open. Verse 5 has an intriguing uh, phrase in the story. When Jesus saw their faith. I don't think there's anything else in the Bible like that. That Jesus saw somebody's faith. Now you and I tend to think of faith as something intangible, more like an, an, an invisible, of course, more like an attitude. But here's the Lord Jesus seeing the faith of these four men who have brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, now he's seeing the same thing that anybody else would have seen there. He's not using his divine powers; he's just using his power of observation. He noticed what they did. They went down the road. They got their friend. They he was paralyzed. They put him on this mat. They got one of on each corner. They brought him down to the house. And when they could not get in the house, people were spilling out the door and the windows. They took him up the outside steps. Onto the flat house. People, the houses were small in this, in this time. And people would build steps up to the outside. Now there's a fire escape. But this is where on hot summer nights, this is where you slept. No ventilation in the house. And so just get your mat and go up there and sleep trying to get a little cool air. And so they take him up there, lay him down, and start tearing those tiles up. And they lower him into the room. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't mention the faith of the paralytic. When he saw the faith of the four, <laughs> he goes into action. There's something about faith that, that just does something wonderful in the Lord Jesus. He loves to see faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus used to sometimes brag on people and say, great is your faith. I'll give you a little principle here um, that I hope you will not forget. I will come back next time David invites me and give you a test on this. That's a joke. <laughs> principle is this. The harder—well, let me say, let me answer the question— uh, what does faith look like, first of all? Let me just answer this, because there's a simple answer to it. We're just going to leave this question on the, on the screen here for the rest of the message. What does faith look like? What does Jesus see? What he sees is obedience. He sees people putting, doing something to show their trust in him. After all, faith in its simplest is nothing in the world except confidence in Jesus Christ. Confidence in Jesus Christ. So when you do something... To demonstrate your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are showing faith. For example, every person in this room has shown faith today. You have gotten up, gotten dressed, and driven here or ridden with somebody who drove and come into church. You might have, you might have uh, uh, said some prayers this morning, read the Bible. You may have done other things. You might have prepared an offering. The offering plates will be passed in a few minutes. You have done things to demonstrate your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in most cases, these are simple things and not what we would call visible. They're more invisible. Nobody came up to you this morning and said, Wow, great faith, man, you're in church on Sunday morning. Unless it was really, really difficult for you to pull this off. And So here's the other thing I want to say to you. The harder it is to obey the Lord, the greater the faith, and the more visible it becomes. Okay, you with me now? The harder it is to obey the Lord, the greater the faith required, and the more visible your faith becomes. Let's take these four men there in Capernaum. At the simplest, they could have done this. Hey, man, did you hear that Jesus is speaking in this house down here? Let's go hear it, Okay, hey, let's go get Tom. They go down to Tom's house, knock on the door. Tom comes to the door. Hey, Tom, we're going down to hear Jesus. at this house want to come with us? Sure. He goes down. They go down, hear, hear Jesus, and uh, lives get changed. Now, did they show faith? Yes, they did. Maybe not a great deal. They showed some faith. They went and brought their friend. I'm going to tell you something. Many of you know this personally. Lives have been changed forever by people doing just that simple a thing. Let's go get my friend and bring him to church. Some of you, if we pass the microphone around, you'd stand up and say here, I started going with my girlfriend or some high school friends or my next-door neighbor and gave my life to the Lord. Now let's make it a little more difficult. They go down to get Tom, and Tom is, Tom says, we've got company coming this week. I'm working on the back doorstep. I can't leave till I get this thing finished. The four friends pitch in and help him ten minutes later they're through. Now they go down. They have shown faith and a little more faith. They have put themselves out to get Tom down there with them. Let's suppose that in addition to doing the doorstep, Tom's wife is nagging him and them. And that the neighbors over there are jeering about them coming, going down to hear Jesus. The more difficult it becomes, the greater the faith required, and the more visible their faith becomes when they do it. Now this is about as, as ultimate as it gets. They go down, Tom is paralyzed. And now they make arrangements. What must that have involved? must have been involved a good bit. Some of you know far more about medical stuff than I ever do, but often when a person is paralyzed, they have additional medical problems, incontinence, for example. And so now you're going to be putting him on a mat, and can you see his wife saying, I don't know about this, these are all men. You just don't want to trust anybody to men thought they'd get a bigger reaction than I did. It, at my house, it would have got a nod. And they get him on the mat, and they bring him down the road, and when they get to the house, there's no room. Now, had they turned around and gone back, you would have understood it. And it would still have been a faith thing that they did. They can't. Not, another person cannot get inside the house, let alone four people carrying a, a another person on a mat. They could have said, let's sit out here and wait. But for reasons that we know nothing of, they said, no, we've got to do it now. They had a little conference, no doubt, and somebody said, let's go, fellas. I think about the poor fellow on the mat who is now being carried at an angle up the steps. How uncomfortable was that? Was he scared of being dropped? And they laid him on the floor rooftop there and then tore it open and wouldn't you have loved to been on the inside when the plaster starts falling on your head and you look up and coming through the hole and then people get under it and lower him into the room and when jesus saw their faith the faith of the four that he that these four men believed in him that strongly He forgave the man his sin, and then he healed him of his paralysis. This is a marvelous story. There's a ton of other stuff in it. I would really suggest you would enjoy just living in this little story this week and reflecting on it. You'll see some things that are not obvious at first glance. Can I ask you about your faith? How is your faith? Is your faith visible? What does your faith look like? All through Scripture, there are stories of people who did hard things or unpopular things or scary things or risky things or dangerous things or lonely things in in out of devotion to the Lord Jesus christ out of out of faith in God. you remember the widow? who goes by the offering with her two little coins and puts them in, and Jesus says to his disciples, everybody else is giving out of their surplus. This is all that woman had. She put it all in. She gave more than anybody else there. He did not say a word about her faith, but he didn't have to, did he? We can see her faith. Why, she did. The harder it is, the more it costs you, the more visible is your faith. I think about the man we call Blind Bartimaeus in Luke chapter 18. He's begging on the roadside outside Jericho. And he hears feet going by, a lot of people going by, and he asks, who is it? Who's going this way? And finally somebody tells him Jesus of Nazareth is coming this way. He's heard of Jesus. He has heard that Jesus is the Messiah. He's heard Jesus is a healer. And he has made up his mind the next time Jesus is through Jericho. I'm going to meet him. I'm going to give him an opportunity to touch my life. And he starts calling. He's blind. He doesn't know whether Jesus is right here or down the road. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people in front of Jesus tried to hush him. Here they are trying to discourage this fellow. And the Bible says in Luke 18, And the more they tried to silence him, the louder he called, Jesus! (laughs) I love this guy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So you've been having some hardship in your life. Are you tempted to bail out? Oh, my friend, don't do that. It's just about to get good. If you be faithful. You remember the accusation of the devil to God about Job? Job chapters 1 and 2 is sure he's living by faith because you're taking us at Skid Cabin. It doesn't require anything. He's got a beautiful family. He's got more money than he'll ever need in several lifetimes, land, houses, herds, orchards. And God says, you watch this. And they took it all away. And in a day, he was left penniless and without his family. And then a few days later, his health was gone. And now will he be faithful? The Bible says, in all these things, Job did not sin. And Job made this statement, one of the great statements of faith in Scripture. Job said, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Have you ever met anybody who said, well, if God doesn't answer my prayer, then I'm not going to believe in Him anymore? Oh, my friend, if you'll stay with the Lord, there will be plenty of prayers you don't get your your answers to. There will be plenty of times you will wonder, where is God? And the question is, can you still obey Him? Can you still serve Him? In the nighttime of the soul, if you can, if you can, you' passed, and God will do some incredible things through you. Scripture is just loaded with such people. The thief on the cross, he is dying, but and here's the, the thief in, uh, here, here, excuse me, the thief on the other side of Jesus is over here, cursing and tempting. But in the middle is the Lord Jesus. People are jeering him and cursing him. And the thief calls over and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, you've never stopped to think, most of us never stopped to think, how much faith did that require from this man? We have no idea how little he knew about Jesus. Apparently not very much. But oh, look what he did. He is standing out there alone and everybody around him is jeering and laughing and cursing. He says, I believe in you, Jesus. Remember me. And Jesus said today, friend, you will be with me in paradise. I think you can tell by this that this is a sermon about as long as the Bible itself because there are so many incredible stories like this all through the Scripture. I want to just end with this. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, the Lord Jesus said, he asked a question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, when the Lord Jesus returns to earth, will he find anybody still living by faith? Will he find anybody worshiping by faith and giving by faith and praying by faith and serving him, even though they feel bad and even though they're being perhaps persecuted? Perhaps they are giving when they have so many other needs, but they're still being faithful. They're praying when they're not sure that the prayer is going further than the ceiling, but they're still being faithful. He said, will will there be people like that? I want to say, yes, Lord, here's one. Here's one. You feel that way? Yes, Lord. Count on me, Lord. I'll be there. I'll be faithful. You know, eventually it'll come down to the end where the Lord will ask you to do the hardest thing you've ever done and do it by faith, and that's to die by faith. I saw my grandmother do that. Grandmother, Bessie Lowry McKeever, was widowed when she was was in her 40s expecting her 12th child. During the Depression, she told me herself that they came by the house one day and said to her, Miss Bessie, the preacher has no food in his house. We're taking up a collection. And she gave them the last $5 she had and her with a house full of children. And she would, she would call me Joe Neal, you know how grandmothers do. She said, and Joe Neal, I went to the mo- mailbox, and there was an envelope from a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time with a check for $15. She said that happened so many times. 1982, she was dying. She had always been a stout woman, and now she is withering away, and she was in the hospital in Birmingham. I drove several hours to get there and walked into that crowded hospital room because you can imagine, lots of family members there gathered. When I walked in the door, she spotted me. and She held up her hands there just wide enough for me to put my face in between her two hands. And I came over and put my face there and she kissed me. And I leaned over and I said, Grandma, I know you've got a Bible verse on your mind today. And she said through the voice that was so weak you could hardly even hear her. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I thought God bless her. The world looks at her and said, Lady, you can't do nothing. You died. Oh, but the woman of faith knows different because right now she's doing the hardest thing Lord ever asked her to do, just relax and rest in his arms. And he would take her to heaven. What does he want you to do, my friend? Oh, be faithful. Be faithful. Do it by faith. If it gets hard or lonely or painful or costly, remember the rewards are so much better and greater and you honor him so much more and you give the devil a bigger black eye if you'll be faithful. We're going to pray together. Now, please, I'd like you to stand with us and bow your heads and close your eyes. Just stand, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me lead the prayer. And after our prayer, we'll ask some of our ministers to stand here across the front. And this is invitation time. This is the time for when you can demonstrate whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart that you need to do. Perhaps just to come and make a recommitment of your life to Christ by kneeling here at the front and praying or standing here or sitting on a front pew, perhaps praying with a minister. If you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus and you've been waiting on all evidence, all your questions answered before you came, dear friend, stop that foolishness. You'll never get them all answered in this life. Come on and exercise your faith. The Bible says righteous people are going to live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Will you obey him? Father, thank you. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for a Savior who did everything necessary to get us to heaven except force it on us. You bring it right up to our door, and you knock at our door and wait for us to respond. Lord, help us to respond in faith and to be found faithful unto death so that you may give us someday the crown of life. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.